0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Uh, We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As John was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And Lord, as we come to uh, our message time, I pray for Nick that you... um, Use the words you've helped him prepare this week um, to draw our eyes unto you and unto your salvation and the goodness of your presence and purposes in our lives. Um, may his words fill this room with your glory this morning. In the name we praise, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben.
1: Okay, look. We're starting a kind of a new series. We we do series at church. You know, we kind of go through parts of the Bible or different themes. And today, we're we're kind of doing one just for a few weeks called First Love, and it comes from the Book of Revelation, where it's it's not like a Netflix movie or anything. Um, First Love, it comes from the Book of Revelation, where Jesus, the risen Jesus, he's communicating through his his prophet apostle John. And uh, letters are being sent to the Christian communities. And one of the letters sent to one of the churches, Ephesus, um, Jesus says to the church, look, you're doing heaps of good stuff and you're busy with things and you're doing good things and I commend you for that. But you've forgotten your first love, which is Jesus, which is him. Like you're hard. Like you're doing, you're believing the right things, like your doctrine's good, um, your actions, your serving, that's good. But your hearts have kind of gone away from me. And I know in my own life, like you don't want this to happen. <laughs> like no one sets out to just be kind of, you know, a shell Christian and believe the stuff, do the stuff, but your heart is, is just not really with God that, that love, that relationship. It can happen in all sorts of relationships, right? Friendships, marriage, parent to child, child to parent. There can be seasons of coolness or seasons of distance and some of you now are probably going, yeah, that's my life right now. Um, but for Jesus being the one who calls us to follow him, to trust him, the one who calls us into relationship with him, Um how do we maintain that that love? And so the verse we've kind of set out across the series, today we're going to look at the message of Jesus. Well, what, let's connect with his message again and his mission, but um, I'll read the, the verse in a moment, but I, I did think if you were arrested today for being a Christian and you were taken before a, um, a court in a jury, <laughs> like would there be enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> they have enough evidence of, of your Christian life and faith to actually convict you. Um, I want you to take a moment and talk to someone next to you and say, would I be convicted in a court of law for being a, a faithful follower of Jesus? Just have a chat amongst yourselves for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's, it's a tricky question, I know. Um, but it's like in the book of Acts, you'll see sometimes, or like, these people were with Jesus, or you were with Jesus, and would, would we be guilty of being with Jesus, you know, as charged? Well, the, the passage that um, Ben just read, it's like Mark's version of the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. But did you notice it's the start of Mark's gospel? So there's four gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and. John, and they each, kind of like first century, it was a new type of literature they they actually created, if you like, to tell the story of Jesus. So it's like the story of Jesus, um, inspired by God's spirit, and each of the four gospel writers, like four people who've witnessed an accident on four parts of the intersection, they have a perspective and and an angle that, that they're talking to us about this event that Jesus... Uh, came among us, lived and died, and was raised to life. And so Mark, did you notice something interesting about Mark's gospel that's different to Matthew and Luke? What did you notice? That was the start of the gospel we just read. So what was missing? Where's the wise men? Where's like the, the the innkeeper and stuff? Where's the angels kind of singing and stuff? No, Mark's like... This is like one of those old war movies. Mark, I would imagine, would be like Steven Spielberg writing, did he do like a full metal jacket or Saving Private Ryan? Like one of those movies where the scene just opens and it's just straight into the action. It's just not just leading you in gently and the credits are kind of rolling and and then eventually you get into the story. Mark's like, bang, let me tell you about the most important thing you need to know. The most important thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he quotes the prophet Isaiah. He quotes the prophet Malachi. And he says, this is it. It's begun. It has begun to happen. So he jumps straight into the message about Jesus Christ. No shepherds, no wise men, um, just this huge Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let me tell you about that. And so he begins. He quotes one of the first prophets, Isaiah. He quotes one of the last prophets, Malachi. Now in between Malachi, the last prophet, and Jesus coming, do you know how many years there were? 200? Who's going to up me from 200? 600? Who's going to go down from 600? i got 200, i got 600, I'll take 400. 400 years, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel had been waiting, waiting for the promised Messiah, waiting for God to do something. Have you kind of wondered, God, what are you doing? Why won't you do something now? Why won't you act now when I need you to? There's 400 years and there's also a lot of pain for Israel during that time. There's some powerful nations that are invading jerusalem there's people being put to death for their faith in god in yahweh and they're waiting they're longing for jesus to come and so mark starts his gospel in the middle of nowhere john the baptist this crazy wild prophet in camel hair eating locusts and wild honey so john was like one of the first vegans right um and isn't that vegan is locust not vegan Oh, they were vegan locusts. Come on. They were vegan locusts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not vegan. He was, he was biodynamic, organic, um, <laughs> something like that. So John's a wild guy. He has an interesting diet, but he's a prophet, and he's called by God. He comes from the wilderness, and often God, when he does something, God doesn't need to have a social media plan and influences in place. He doesn't need to have flashing lights. God begins this powerful work with John, the Baptist, who's in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness, listening, serving God, praying to God, and he comes into the towns and he begins to proclaim a message from the wilderness. And and his message to the people was, get ready, get ready. And they're going, John, are you the Messiah? Like, are you the man? Are you the one? And he's like, no, get ready, get ready. He is coming. The king is coming. And me, let me tell you about me. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and tie up his shoelaces. That's how great he is. That's how powerful he is. And he said to them, the one who comes after me is more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water. For repentance, So people were coming, confessing their sins. They were getting ready, preparing themselves for God to come in the person of Jesus. He said, I baptise you with water, but the one coming after me, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so he prepares the way for Jesus to come. And he jumps straight in uh, to this story. Jesus is the promised one the prophesied one, the Messiah who fulfills and completes Israel's journey and assumes the kingship. Jesus is coming. Now, we are Christians. We live on this side of those who believe in Christ here. We live on this side of Jesus coming, right? But we also live on this side of seeing him again when we die or when he returns to bring all things together for good, To bring justice and righteousness and peace. So we also are, we're in between. He's come and we can believe in him and we can trust in him, but he is coming again when you die or when he appears before then. So we are similar to them. So John brings a message from the wilderness to the people get ready, be prepared. To meet God, and it's a message that we bring again today. Be prepared, be ready to meet God, because it could be any time, really. And Jesus told parables and stories about this in his ministry, about being ready. He told stories about people who had an oil in their lamp, but not enough oil. Or He told all sorts of stories about being prepared, being sober and vigilant, not being complacent, not becoming... Um, losing our first love, if you like. So we hear this message from the wilderness, get ready, God is coming. And then we hear in the in the text as it goes on, a message from heaven. Or Jesus hears a message from heaven, which I imagine he relayed later. Jesus came to Nazareth, so there's no birth narrative here. So Jesus just arrives as a 30-year-old on the scene here, ready to Begin his public ministry. We know he was born as a baby. We we know that backstory from Luke and Matthew. But Mark's like, okay, you've got that, and we also know from history that Matthew and Luke used a lot of Mark's gospel for their gospels. So Mark started first, and and we get that other detail later. But he's like, you just need to know about Jesus. Um, I won't tell you all the other stuff. Just know about who he is, what he did, what he said. And what your response needs to be. So we hear the message from heaven, get ready, the king is coming. Um, Sorry, the message in the wilderness. The message from heaven, Jesus hears, as he is baptised, the Holy Spirit descends on him. And then a voice, Jesus hears a voice from heaven. You are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. That God affirms the public beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he affirms his identity. He affirms he's not just a human being, a man. He's also God in human flesh. It's a mystery. It's something that we we hold together in tension, that Jesus was fully human. So he can understand and empathize with us and he knows what it's like to be human, but he was fully God. It is a mystery and it's one we hold in tension God confirms this message from heaven, the sonship of Jesus. He's not just a man, though he is. He is God visiting humanity. God made flesh. And that phrase that is said there, as a follower of Jesus, that's what God says over you. You share in that, the way God sees and receives Jesus, that's what he says over you. He said over Jesus, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And as you trust in Jesus, as you believe in Him, that's what God says over you: "You are my child, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased." And you might go, "But well, hang on, my life's not really perfect, and I'm still working on things. I haven't arrived yet. Um, I make mistakes still. I get it wrong." Sometimes I doubt God. Sometimes I fall short. But that statement, God doesn't take that away because we don't always get it right. That's the gift of salvation. You are my child whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. What a gift from God. A message from heaven for Jesus, but a message from heaven for all who trust in Jesus and who surrender their lives to him. You are God's child whom he loves and with whom he is well pleased. Now, that doesn't mean like, oh, fine, I'll just get on and do whatever I want to do. It's like, how do you respond to that gift? How does Jesus respond? He responds with obedience. He responds by following his heavenly father. He responds by doing God's will. He responds ultimately by laying down his life for us. So there's a message from the wilderness. Get ready. God is coming. Get ready. Don't be complacent, says John the Baptist. And the message from heaven to Jesus, you are my son. You are my child. You are my daughter, whom I love to all of us. With you, in Jesus, and because of Jesus, through him, I am pleased with you. What a relief. Take a breath. I don't have to try really hard. I don't have to fulfill all these laws. I don't have to do all this stuff. If I trust in Jesus, if I believe in him, if I receive his forgiveness for my sins, I'm loved by God. I'm God's child, and God is well pleased with me in him. And then we get a message to humanity. We have the message in the wilderness, a message from heaven, and then Jesus gives a message to humanity. What does he say? You know, if you're about to launch something or, you know, you're writing a book perhaps or you're preparing a presentation or you're about to like go public with something, like your first kind of statement is pretty important, right? It's fairly key how you want to set the scene, um, how you want to frame things. And so what does Jesus do? What is the message to humanity that Jesus brings? Well, let's, let's look at it here. Verse 15 The time has come, says Jesus. The time has come. What time is that? The time for God to do a new thing. The time for God to begin a new work among humanity in Jesus and through Jesus. And this is his message. The kingdom of God has come near. What does he mean by that? Well, it's come near in him. He's from the kingdom He's the king of the kingdom and he's entered into our humanity. He's entered into the earth. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent. It's not a word we use much, right? Who's used repent this week in, in a sentence? Maybe once or twice, yeah? It's not a, a word we use much. It, it's the Greek word metamorphosis or metanoia, sorry, from like we get metamorphosis, change, changing shape, metanoia, a change of your mind, a shift in your thinking. Jesus is like, the time has come. God is doing a new thing. The kingdom of God has come in me and through me. You need to start thinking differently about this. You can't keep living like you are now. Everything has changed. Everything's been thrown up. The table's been turned over. Everything begins afresh here with me. And you need to think differently about this. You need to think differently about who God is and what God is doing. So the first thing Jesus says really to us is God's kingdom has come near. He is the bringer, the usherer in of God's kingdom. Repent. Change your thinking. Change your living Change the way you look at yourself, the way you look at God. Change the things in your life that aren't in line with this new thing God's doing. So Jesus says to f- the first thing he wants us to respond with is change. "I don't like change. I like the way things are. <laughs> I don't want anything to be different. Um, <laughs> I like my routines and my habits. My foibles, whatever. Change is difficult, change is painful. But the only place where you don't see constant change is in the graveyard. (laughs) The dead don't change, but the living need to change. And so Jesus says, Come follow me. Uh, Sorry, repent and believe the good news. And what is the good news? Joel, you did a good job for us this morning. The good news is Jesus, it's Him, His teaching, His life. His death for us, when he gave his life for us, his resurrection. Come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Have you repented? Do you believe the good news? Do you believe the good news about Jesus? Because that's what he, he wants you to do. That's his message. Repent. Believe in me. Believe the good news. And then listen to what he does next. He walks along the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew They're casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. And then he says this, come, follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. Come, follow me. So they've already heard him, right? We assume that they've heard the message. Um, there's not just some stranger walking past going, hey, come and follow me. They're like, who are you? Um, we assume that they've heard the message, the kingdom is near, repent, believe the good news. Maybe they already believe. But it's not just believing. It's not just a mental assent to a number of things, but follow me. And there's three things here that I, I just want to share with you in, in, in a kind of a little memorable phrase, I hope, that Jesus, his message and his mission is for us and for all people. Turn, trust and trek. I had to find a word that was a T, that was for follow, right? And thanks to ChatGPT for helping me out there. But um, turn, (laughs) trust, just citing my sources, turn, trust, (laughs) and trek. And that's what Jesus, that is his message, whether you've never believed or you are a new believer, or you've been a follower of Jesus for like 50, 60 years, his message is turn, trust, and trek. And let's think of a situation now, maybe you're a follower of Jesus, you're in a bit of a pickle, you've got a challenging situation, you're not sure what to do. Um, This idea of coming back to Jesus as our first love is to say, well, turn to Jesus in that in that space, we can so often just think, yeah, I believed in Jesus, I'm a Christian, I follow him. But actually, this is a way of life that Jesus gives us, not just a one-time set of things to do once. You know, turn, repent, believe in me, and follow me. And it's like, oh, yeah, I did that, like, 1974 or 1999, whatever no, this is ongoing. And I want us to be encouraged by this this morning. Um, Wherever you are, maybe it's a parenting thing. We had a conversation this morning in prayer time. um, Some people with, you know, up till 4am with little kids and stuff. You know, in that time or maybe a relationship challenge or an issue that you're facing at work, how can you turn to Jesus in that situation? Turn to him. Turn to him. Turn away from your own kind of, I've got to fix this. I've got to make it happen. I've got to sort this out. I've got to control the situation. How in that challenge or that issue, that thing you're dealing with, maybe it's a health issue, an ongoing health thing that you're you're managing or dealing with, and it's just a constant turning to Jesus, and it's hard, it's difficult. Maybe it's a longing to meet someone, a longing to get married, whatever it might be, And, and in that there's a challenge, there's a pain, there's a difficulty. And Jesus' message at the start of his ministry is also the message for all of the Christian life. Keep turning to him. Keep trusting him. Keep trekking after him. And things will find their place. They will will fall into place. They won't necessarily be resolved or be solved as you want them to. But you'll be relieved from the burden of feeling as though, well, I've done something wrong or I've missed the mark or God must be angry at me. Just this constant turning to Jesus, trusting Jesus, and trekking after Jesus. And that's what he encourages us to do in this text. Um, I wonder if you just, you know, take a moment now, because Jesus isn't just teaching words when he says this. Just take a moment, maybe close your eyes, and just think of a situation you're dealing with at the moment. Whatever it is, you know, a personal challenge just hold it up. What, it, what is it? It might be a number of things. And just lift them up to Jesus and, and turn to Jesus with these things, with these issues, with these challenges. And just say, Lord, help. Lord, Give me strength. Lord, I trust you in this. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how this is going to resolve. I don't know where this is going. I don't know the answer to this. I don't know why I'm feeling this. I don't know why I'm in this situation. I don't know what's going on, Lord. But I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. And I choose afresh to trek after you, to follow you. I'm going to follow you in the challenge. I'm going to follow you in the pain. I'm going to follow you in the uncertainty. I'm going to follow you even though I don't know what's going on right now. Lord, I turn to you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trek after you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I love that one of the first things Jesus does in his public ministry is he connects with people he calls people he doesn't start here with some great sign to prove his divinity he just comes alongside some tradies some local businessmen let's not get the sense that these fishermen were just hobby fishermen they might have had dozens of boats they were businessmen they were tradies And the first thing the Son of God does in his public ministry after he says, repent, the kingdom of God is here, repent, believe the good news, he comes alongside some pretty average ordinary people and just says, hey, follow me, follow me. Like what was it about them? What was their pedigree? What was their qualifications? What was the attributes in them that drew Jesus to them? There weren't any. It was his love and his grace, and it's the same for us. For 2,000 years, Jesus has been calling individuals to get up and out out of their boring, dark, and lost existence to follow him into the brightness of his kingdom. But as Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, when Christ calls a person, he calls him to come and die. Self-centred becomes Christ-centred, self-serving becomes Christ-serving, and we serve God and others as a consequence. John Wesley, who was a uh, a Church of England minister until the church kicked him out. You know you're doing well for Jesus when the church kicks you out. Um, We know in hindsight, at the time, um, the church thought they were right, but they were wrong. And let's just get that out there. The church has got it wrong a lot. Sometimes people say to me, you know, I just have concerns like, I like Jesus and wouldn't mind being Christian, but I have some concerns with the church, like this stuff that's happened. And they don't talk like that, but that's in my head, they sound like that. And I say, I've studied church history for a long, for like right over. It's much worse than you think. (laughs) Yeah, you got problems, you don't know the half of it. It's much worse than you think. But then I say, Jesus is not the church. The church is meant to serve Jesus and um, work for Jesus and do Jesus' mission, but don't judge Jesus by the church. And also, give us some grace and cut us some slack because we're not perfect and neither are you. And that's why we need Jesus. (laughs) Okay, John Wesley said this, the taking of the, the mantle of Jesus, the yoke of Jesus, means that we are heartily content that he appoint us our place and our work and that he alone, be our reward. Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy. Others are difficult. Some bring honour and praise. Others bring reproach. Some are suitable to our natural inclinations and temporary interests. Others, things that Christ calls us to do, are contrary to both our natural inclinations and temporary interests. In some way, we may please Christ and please ourselves. He's saying sometimes serving Jesus, it kind of fits together and, you know, it suits your personality, your temperament, and that's fine. And so you're happy serving him because you like what he's called you to do. There are other times when we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves and by suffering for a season or through a hardship and be prepared for that. Yet... The power to do all these things to serve Jesus is given to us assuredly in Christ who strengthens us. So where do you need to turn today? What, what do you need to turn from in, as you turn to Jesus? What is it that's eating you up or taking away your time and energy or causing you distress or losing your peace? What is it that you need to turn from? in order to turn to Jesus, where and how can you trust Jesus today? Where do you need to trust him to let go of something, to not uh, hold it like this, just go, Lord, this is really important to me and this is how I want it to work out, but I give it to you. I just trust you in it. And if it works out how I want, I'll give, great, I'll give you thanks, I'll praise you. If it doesn't, I'm going to trust you. I'm still going to trust you. And where do you need to trek after Jesus? Where where might Jesus be challenging you, challenging me in following him? Where might I have become complacent or lost my zeal or passion or my first love? Where where might I need to follow Jesus fresh? Maybe it's into, into my praying, a new season of praying, or reading his word, or or serving in the church community. There's always lots of th- places to serve and uh, maybe it's something God's calling you to do beyond in your, in your workplace. Maybe it's someone to talk to, um, someone to reach out to. Where is Jesus calling you to follow, to trek after him? As the team comes up, let me pray. I'm part of the team too, so I'm already here. Um, but let me pray for us and commit ourselves back to Jesus. Lord, we want to thank you that you have come, that you came into a dark world, a broken world, a world racked with um, a lack of purpose, a lack of meaning, a lack of hope, a world in which there is much pain and suffering and brokenness. And you didn't leave us as orphans. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come and dwelt among us, that you have come and lived among us, that, God, you have become flesh. Thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, the message that you brought to us. That the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the rule of God is near. It is here in Jesus. And God will have the last word. God will have the last say. God will bring all things together for good. Thank you, Jesus, that you are bringing all things together and that your kingdom, your kingship is here. And thank you, Jesus, that you call us to to repent, to turn, to change to give our lives afresh into your hands, to believe you, to believe the good news, to follow after you. So Lord, help us. Help us to turn where we need to turn today. Help us to turn from trusting ourselves, from self-sufficiency, from trusting even our own knowledge and experience. Help us turn from self-sufficiency, from selfishness to you, Lord, help us trust you to have the peace that comes from trusting you, to have the peace that comes from resting and trusting in Jesus. Help us have that, Lord. And Lord, help us trek after you. You haven't just called us to believe, called us to trust. You've called us to follow, to trek after you. You have a a mission to seek and save the lost, to bring the kingdom of God, to bring hope, to bring light, to bring love and truth to all the nations. So, Jesus, bless us in our workplaces, in our families, in our church community, in our local community and beyond. Help us, Lord, follow after you and be people who bring the hope and the love of Christ to our neighbours. Lord, we turn to you, we trust you, and we trek after you.